Greetings and welcome. This is episode 21 of the Chirping the Cats podcast. David Dwork here with you as always. And uh, on this episode, now that the NHL's regular season is officially over and we have a little time to kill before the 2014 postseason tournament kicks off, I thought it would be fun to do some Panther season superlatives and discuss some of the highs and lows of the Cats campaign. And uh, who better to do that with than friend of the podcast, former Florida Panthers forward and current radio color analyst, Billy Lindsay. Uh, Billy, thanks a lot for doing this. Uh, it's great to have you back on the podcast. Glad to be back on. 21 episodes rolling through. Pretty impressive. Right? You were there yeah, for I'm the beginning, to, man. Yeah, I'm glad to be back on it. Uh, I'm glad you got this up and rolling. Always great content. I appreciate it, brother. And, and I do have to add... I'm lucky to have firsthand knowledge of just how much fun it is to call a hockey game from the broadcast booth with you. Like you definitely have some skills for your craft, my friend. And, and for those yeah. listening, you don't underestimate how much prep this guy puts in before every game. He comes in with a ton of notes and he's ready to roll. Yes. We did those KHL games together. That was fun off a monitor, did some Russian and uh, yeah, I enjoyed all that stuff. You came prepared too. So it was, it was, uh, it was fun to call some games. And I'm glad you're covering the Florida Panthers. In depth, it's good to have you on board. Yeah, brother, we got to work on our pronunciation skills for sure. Oh, is that hard? <laughs> that so was, before uh, we that... jump into the superlatives and all that stuff, I wanted to discuss a little bit just what's happening right now with the NHL. Because training camps for all the 24 teams are going to begin in mid-July, which is just a, a few days away from right now when we're recording this. And two weeks later, they're going to head to their respective hub cities. And then a week after that, on August 1st, if all goes according to plan, hockey will be back. Now. Obviously, it's a strange and completely unprecedented situation for everybody involved. But as a former player who is so close to the game still, what goes through your mind as you process what all these guys are going to be experiencing for the next few months? There's going to be a lot of stuff that they've never experienced before. That's the stuff you're going to go in. You're going to play in a bubble. You're going to be situated. There's not going to be fans in the building. And you're going to have to go from zero to 60 in a heartbeat. Uh, there's not like you're going to have a preseason to warm up into things all of a sudden once they drop the puck it's for real you're in the playoffs so this is a scenario that no one's been through the coronavirus and the pandemic has done strange things and made the the world a different place so these hockey players they're gonna have to be in shape and they're gonna have to get ready to go and their intensity level and their inner drive is gonna have to be there because when you look at it from a player standpoint it is definitely unique but it's still the Stanley Cup that's on the line, and they got to be able to focus on that goal. But the internal focus and the internal drive and competitiveness that someone has, they're going to have to be able to train through this pandemic, which I assume if you have, have the want, you should have been able to do. So you should, you should be able to come to camp in shape, and you should be able to get rolling fairly quickly because that's what's required. One thing I've, I've thought about is this process has gone on with all the sports trying to get going, not, not just hockey. It, it kind of gives me a little bit more confidence for hockey to get going just because of how hockey players take their job so seriously and how it's just kind of like, I'm not coming up with the right word, but that whole culture of hockey, of hardworking, holding each other accountable. I think it'll help keep everybody safe and keep their eyes on the prize and not, not stray from the bubble and all the protocol that they're going to have to follow. They're going to do what's necessary. And, you're still going to, uh, with the, the amount of players in the NHL, you're going to see some scenarios where, where probably players are going to opt out. You don't know who, but when you have uh, 700 athletes, there's a possibility that uh, some of these guys 
probably going to opt out for safety reason, and that's understandable, and they should have the full support of the team. But everyone's going to have to evaluate the situation differently. And then once you get going with your full rosters, you're going to have to proceed from there. But there's going to – we're just getting started with all this. They finally got the hub cities, and uh, they're going to have to go through all the protocols and all that stuff. But from now until the playoffs begin, uh, we're going to see some – we're going to see players test positive with the coronavirus. There's going to be some stuff. We're going to have to wade through a lot uh, before they actually drop that puck. So there's going, to, there's going to be a lot of pressure on the teams, and there's going to be a lot of pressure on the, the players, not only from a mental standpoint and physical standpoint, but they're going to have to digest everything and figure out what's best for them and then get ready to go. I feel like I could pick your brain about this forever, but let's uh, let's get back to why we're here today. Let's have a little fun with the uh, the Panther season. So uh, we'll start it off with uh, who do you think are the biggest surprises of this season? The four finalists I came up with for biggest surprise were Noah Chari, Mark Pissick, Chris Dreeter, and Mackenzie Weeder. So obviously a couple of favorites on there, but what do you think? That's a pretty good four, but the one that really stands out is uh, Achari. He Definitely. comes on board, gets a couple of hat tricks, and you know that he was uh, – he led the NHL, all forwards in the NHL in block shots, which is pretty impressive. So yep. that's what he's brought in to do. And he leads the team in hits. He was in, kills penalties. So you brought him in to do that stuff, and he's in, excelled at doing that stuff. But then you throw the goals on top of that, and that is what really stands out. And to be able to get that kind of production and not really lose when you talk about a person's character and his role on his team, well, he came in and did what he was supposed to do, but he provided a ton of goals on top of it and actually found him playing on the first line, second line, third line, fourth line, when he was slated really to basically come in and be a fourth line player yeah. and play – 12 minutes a night and kill penalties. And all of a sudden he found himself playing 19 minutes a night under Joel Quenville at certain points during the season. Pesic playing forward, playing defense. He's done a really good job at forward. You have to give him a bunch of accolades. Uh, really a perfect up. Quenville forward, isn't he? Like a responsible forward that takes up space, doesn't make mistakes in the offensive zone. Like he's really a Q guy. I feel like he's found a good role for himself. He has. And David, I can, to tell you to move from a, a position that you played your whole life and to go up front and play forward, that is extremely challenging. And he made a pretty seamless transition. What's impressed me when he plays forward is he has the ability and patience to hang on to the puck. A lot of times a defenseman would move up and change position and you'd see them really scrambly with the puck, just get it on their stick. But he has an acute awareness and found out how to play the wing really well and uh, has the defensive responsibilities and he would kill kill penalties as a defenseman so to have that kind of versatility as a player and to be able to do that has provided Quenville a big luxury with with the injuries that the Panthers sustained throughout the season yeah for sure and then obviously uh Chris Dreeter we didn't even know if he'd play a game this year in a Panther sweater and he ends up maybe being one of the big saviors of the season he's definitely cemented himself as uh Montable looked like he was going to be the, the backup, and all of a sudden Drieger comes into the picture and looks like he might have earned that position with the way that he played. And uh, Mackenzie Wieger's uh, steady on defense. So uh, there's been a couple of guys, but uh, you got to give Drieger come in and 
playing those handful of games and keeping the Panthers afloat uh, at a time when they needed some goaltending desperately. And he came in and that's how, how you earn a job in the NHL. Yeah. As a, as a, as a guy that's a borderline guy. Hey, you come up, you impress, all of a sudden you find yourself and you got an NHL job and you can turn that, you can turn a good stint of 10 games like that into a career. Look at Jordan Bennington last year. Actually, you, actually, you just got to, you got to open that door. And once you crack it open, you can get it wide open. All of a sudden you can find yourself having a lengthy career in the NHL and Drieger has that possibility. Uh, you mentioned how Achari led the team in block shots, hits. He also led them in one other category that I thought was pretty cool. Game winning goals. Yeah. <laughs> um, to tell you the honest, the, the, one of the most exciting moments that I've seen is broadcasting with the Panthers and the most excitement I had was that penalty shot for the hat trick. Yeah. For, Against for, Dallas. For, I was actually standing up and uh, <laughs> I was like, I, I found myself rooting like so hard as a fan and for that kid uh, to score that goal and get that hat trick, but on a penalty shot to do it that way. I found that one of the most electrifying moments, not only of the season, but going back in uh, recent Panther history, maybe the last five or 10 years, that was one of the most, exciting moments that I uh, that I could remember yeah that, that was really cool and I mean you talked about the way that you were standing in the press box and cheering for him I, I remember the bench just exploding like it was an overtime game-winning goal it was such an awesome reaction like everybody was just so happy for him and it was really cool and, and that they got to do it at home as well was was just kind of added to it yeah it's uh and to put your position on that line and a person that's never scored a hat trick I don't believe he scored a hat trick in the minors or he probably had to go back a long ways before he ever found out where he'd ever scored a hat trick before. But to have that, to go through your head and to go on a penalty shot, you're already kind of nervous, even if you haven't scored a goal in the game, but to have two goals and have that first career hat trick on the line, that's why because he does all those little things and he is such a, a guy, a character guy in the dressing room and such a leader is why you saw the bench explode like that is because of his leadership skills and uh, what he means to that team. You can tell how, how much he's revered in the locker room when that bench erupted on that penalty shot. It's really cool. It was cool uh, being in Tampa when the NHL gave him the player of the week award and everybody was so supportive of him and being the humble guy he is. I mean, you know, who would have thought Nolachari signed to be, you know, basically like you said, a fourth line guy, player of the week with it was it's like seven goals in a in a three or four game span so it's really cool to see how how supportive everybody was of him got to get your cookies the cookie monster right well i think gave that nickname if i'm if i'm not mistaken with because he's got the the love for oreo cookies you know, the pregame routine he's got to have it the, so the cookie monster and uh that's what they uh when you're when you're in the nhl that's what they call goals you got to get your cookies you got to get, get your, your cookies, cookies. What, yeah. what was your pregame snack? Did you have one? He got his cookies. My pregame snack, um, what I used to get to, uh, when I got to the rink, I'd always, uh, I'd have a bagel with peanut butter and honey and some <laughs> peanut butter. And when I played in Florida, a uh, little, little shot of Cuban coffee. Oh, yeah. So I'd have a peanut butter bagel, some bananas, and uh, just a little bit of Cuban coffee before I went on the ice. And that stuff's pretty strong, give you a jolt. You wouldn't want to take it take too much because it, it elevated your heart rate but just a no. little bit to you try take, and get you your more than one and you're going to be in the bathroom in the second period you don't want that yes 
So who, but, who was uh, making Cuban coffee back then? Uh, uh, my my friend uh, Oscar. <laughs> so Oscar Munguia, he's been there since day one and worked the visiting dressing room. So okay. he's been a friend of mine, and he still works the visiting dressing room and helps out with the Panthers uh, with their dressing room and their activities. But he's been there since 1993. And That's awesome. So he's a good friend of mine, and uh, he he knew what every he still does. You know what knows what every player requires and asks. And if you ask him for a little favor, it'll help you out. So he always uh, made a batch of a uh, little Cuban coffee for uh, for a few of us. <laughs> yeah, he may still be doing it because I did speak to a couple guys during the season who mentioned that sometimes they have a shot of Cuban coffee before a game, and I didn't really dig into it much. But maybe he's still doing it behind the scenes at the BB&T Center. Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. There's all kinds, but. When you're going through 82 games, you're looking for all the little uh, little things to keep you going, get your legs going, whatever it is. Oh, so, for sure. Uh, everyone's looking for the tricks. So the next one uh, we'll jump into is uh, mo- the guy who has the most to prove next season. These are guys who maybe uh, struggled, had a bit of a down year, and uh, will definitely be expected to bounce back next year. And the first guy I thought of, uh, obviously, is Sergei Bobrovsky, the goaltender. He signed the big contract. Uh, you know, they brought him in to basically steady the ship in goal. And it, w- it wasn't a bad year, but it certainly wasn't a, you know, top-tier goaltender type of season. Got to improve. That's yeah. basic. What he knows that uh, that's – it's when you're, when you're given that kind of money and you've won a couple of Vezina trophies, he's the, the only active goaltender to have two Vezina trophies. So when you come in with those kind of expectations and you sign that contract, which where much is given, much is expected. And he has to be better. There's no sugarcoating it. There was times that uh, his start was okay. And uh, he played some good games, even though he gave up some goals. And then later in the year, it got to a point that he was starting to give up some bad goals. And that can't happen. One bad goal a game in this league, when there's so much parity, is going to cost you hockey games. And uh, when you're a goaltender with that kind of skill and that kind of elite level ability, it's got to be, uh, it's got, it can't be a sometimes thing. It has to be an all-time thing. you got to have consistency in your games. And there was just too many up and downs uh, for Sergei Bobrovsky. And to me, at a point, it became a, a mental thing, a mental challenge at, at a certain point. Uh, changing systems, uh, getting a new head coach, coming to a new environment, all that played a factor. But when you're a veteran like him and you've been through it, you should be able to sort those things and solve it. So he's got a, he's got a, he's got a chance with this, which when you're coming back after this pandemic to go into the playoff, <laughs> to really make a statement, yeah. he, could change, he could change a bad year into something great. If he goes on a tour, toward run and the Panthers are able to do something in this playoff format if they're not then you're gonna have to look forward and he's a player that's gonna have to uh live up to his contract and be much better next year he knows it and it's it's a very simple fact David it's just it's out there it's plain and simple and they know that he's got to be better and more consistent next guy on the uh needs to prove himself a little bit more next season um Mike Madison the defenseman uh, I, I, I saw a lot of good in Mike's year. The problem is I saw a lot of not so good. And, and it was like such a drastic high and low for Matheson that he couldn't get that. Cons- you talked about Bob, you couldn't get that consistency going. And for a guy with uh, another one with a big contract and there's some expectations there that uh, he's expected to live up to. It's, it's tough. He just didn't take the step forward. Aaron Ekblad took a big step forward this year and Matheson, he just didn't. 
Matheson, when you watch him play and when you see him play his best games, it's elite. And you can see the skill level. And that's where the frustration comes at with the coaching staff and from people that watch him play. When you see him play his best and when he's skating at his best, it's a, a guy that can be a real impactful defenseman because of his skating ability and the way that he can block up passing lanes and do stuff for him. When I watch him play, he gets in a lot of problems when he hangs onto the puck and he makes turnovers through the middle of the ice. When he plays smart hockey, simplifies his game, gets the puck off his stick, moves, skates up the ice, becomes the fourth man on the attack. He becomes a very effective hockey player, but he's got to find a way into his game just to, to eliminate the mistakes because it becomes a common theme uh, that uh, the turnovers become something that hurt him and uh, for him now that he's a veteran in the league it's something that he's got to be able to piece together because the the talent's there but the frustration level is starting to grow now is 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 within the organization so he's got it he's got it all and there's been some games where he's been lights out and you can see the type of skill that he has so uh, for him it's just a veteran player that, that has to act like a veteran and just simplify his game. And once he simplifies his game and gets back, and it all starts in his own end with me. When he gets that puck and starts and just moves it, makes that first outlet pass and goes. Just get out of your own zone and then go. That's, his, that's when you see him at his best. So hopefully he's got I, – I love his skill level, and I think it's still there. So – it's something that he's got to tap into and find it. And it's the same thing with Bobrovsky. It's when you get to the NHL, when you play 10 games, five of them got to be really good and three got to be average. And then maybe two are kind of under, you know, that's the kind of, you know, eight out of 10 games, you expect those guys to play some, some pretty elite hockey and then they're bad games. You need them to sort them out and, it's, uh, that's where it's not quite got to that level where they've got that, where they can put that kind of stretch together over the course of the season. With the last two guys on the most approved next season list, uh, Frank Vetrano, I, I, I had much higher expectations for him this year coming off that big, uh, what do you have, like 25 goals last year. Um, and really, most of his success this season was in a, a small pack of games in January where he had, I think, 11 points in eight games. And uh, otherwise... Uh, Kind of a, a pretty lackluster year, I thought, and he finished it with just uh, five points over the last 20 games of the season. So, Frankie, I, I definitely think uh, we'll need to see a little bit more from him next year, hopefully. And then uh, our Sam Montembeau, I thought as the backup goaltender, he was set with a pretty sweet job this year. And uh, he would go out there and have like a game where he had like two bad periods and one good period, but they'd win five to four. And it got to the point where uh, it just it seemed to be like he was in his own head. So these are all guys that uh, really need to step it up next year, no? Yes. Uh, but, but Trano, I, at times, he's a player to me that's going to go into those kind of slumps. A shooter, that's, uh, he skates well, north-south hockey, some speed, and he's going to have some slumps in out throughout the course of the year. But if you can get him around that 20-goal mark and pretty trusted, and he does a pretty good job on the wall as a winger and some of the little nuances of the game. So for him, the the – to me, it's it's been okay. The, the year, it's it's just. I feel like they don't utilize his speed as much as like they could. He's like the fastest guy in the team, and you don't really notice it. He is, and there is at times, but he is he, he's a utility guy. And what I like about Vetrano is that 
you can plug them in on the power play if you need to. And it, you can play them on different lines because he can score and uh, up and down that wing. So uh, if, if I was to compare it to Bobrovsky or Matheson, uh, the improvement level maybe needs to be there. But uh, watching him, to me, it wasn't a total disappointment this year. There were I got enough from him for what – he's still pushing that 20-goal mark. Yeah, he had 16. Um, and they yeah. would have still had another, what, 11, 12 games, 13 games to go. So, uh, so you're still pushing that 20-goal mark. And if you got to that, that that's where you want him at. So uh, there's, there's some dips and bumps in the road. But uh, for the most part, that's been okay. Montebo, as I said, uh, he had his chance. So he, he's going to have to fight. And it's, he's, gonna, he's not going fight to fight his way back at this moment with the big club. He's going no, to he's like he's lost have to. He's lost his job, I think. He's going to have to do it through the American Hockey League and training yeah. camps. Uh, he's going to have to be a dominant force in the in the minors, in the AHL, and he's going to have to earn his, earn his right to get back into the NHL because at this moment, Drieger has is, is earned the job over Montembeau. Yeah, and in the AHL, you know, he'll have um, Bednard, who played well for Springfield this year, wherever they end up playing next year in the AHL, and then coming up the pipe, Spencer Knight. He'll be, you know, another maybe year or two of college, and he'll be knocking on the pro door as well. So, it's nice that the Panthers have this depth in goaltending, but for Montembeau, you know, how much uh, nine months can change things? He seemed to have, you know, kind of a clear path, and all of a sudden, not so much. <laughs> Welcome to the world of sports. Right. That's, that's it. It's a, it's a tough – I mean, it's a tough gig. And uh, Montembeau, these guys are all fighting, and they'll work. And you talked about Spencer Knight and the goaltending depth, and that's a luxury for the Panthers. You want internal competition. Oh, you yeah. want that. You want guys pushing each other, so – it's uh, interesting to see where the goaltenders uh, will see in the future. But Panther fans have to be excited about Spencer Knight yeah. uh, that he put together <laughs> down in, down in college, college hockey. was one of the best, and uh, he looks like the real deal. So Panthers have a good future in net, I believe. Yep. So uh, next one for us to debate is the – this one is fun. The biggest moment of the season. And what I thought was cool about it is, you know, pretty much all positive stuff and all the good stuff happened at, at home for the home fans to witness. So the, the ones on this list, Billy, I got Q winning his 900th game and moving into that exclusive club of two. Uh, Huberto becoming the all-time leader in points on the franchise when he, when he had the uh, two points against Toronto and that big win. Um, the last home game when we retired Roberto Luando's jersey, I thought that was a really special moment franchise-wise. And then maybe not a not such a happy moment, but certainly a big one this season was uh, the trade deadline move to send Vincent Trocheck away, which kind of was a shocking move for the fans and the players alike. And I thought those were the four biggest moments of the season. Yeah, those stick out. Uh, Quenville coming on, wow, the accomplishment. And when you meet him, what a uh, what a class guy uh, to talk to, and the players respect him in the room and. You can see why he's had the success in Chicago and uh, trying to implement things here and probably not exactly the way that he hoped it goes his first year, but it, there's going to be success with Glenville here in Florida. Uh, there's no debating that in my, in my mind. He has everything. So to see him get that win and just to go along, he, he's the real deal as a coach. He's been at it a long time and to have that longevity and have – the accomplishments and the records that he has behind him. So that is, that is something that uh, is awesome to see that we have a coach like that uh, uh, behind the bench 
uh, Roberto Luongo, the retirement. That was he's going to be a future Hall of Fame goaltender. I hope. <laughs> I, he's I, gonna I, be. He automatically gets in, but to to see the first ever, he 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 was the best Panther ever to wear a Panther uniform and the longevity, and he has a chance. Uh, I I believe his number could be retired in Vancouver. He had. So you look at the success he had with the Panthers. He also had that kind of success with the Vancouver Canucks. So yep. uh, the Olympic level as well. And you got to go back to the Parkland speech after the shooting uh, to show the the character that Roberto Longo has shown throughout his career, and uh, he's he's a pro all the way through. So that that Parkland speech and what he means, he he embedded himself in the South Florida community. He loves it down there. He wants to be part of it and. It's good that the Panthers brought him back on board. Uh, so that was a night that uh, was emotional for a lot of fans and a lot of people. But he's an icon in South Florida. And uh, as far as sports goes, it's, you know, he, he belongs up there with the Dwayne Wades, uh, uh, Dan Marino's, those type of people. Uh, he's a legend in South Florida and he's the best, best Panther ever. And so that was a good night. And what was the other one you mentioned on? Huberto passing Ole Okunen to become the all-time points leader. Yeah, and Huberto, uh, he's really, he took it to another level this year. And yeah, just continued. So this young nucleus with Barkov and Huberto, these, uh, these guys are extremely skilled. And uh, they, uh, with that skill, there's, that's why the expectations with this team are so high. And they've got a, now they've got this chance here with the, this playoff format here to go in and uh, put an exclamation point on it. If you can come out, even though it's coming out and it's distorted in a lot of ways with, with, that, with, with what happened, if you can come out and uh, win that series against the Islanders and keep on moving on and do some damage, uh, then you, this is what these, these Panthers players need is playoff experience. And this counts in my opinion. So yeah, this is going to be sure. a playoff. So, uh, Huberto getting on that all-time point list and now starting to starting to feel the heat as we get back from this pandemic is is exciting. But uh, he put up a lot of points in a short time, didn't he? He moved up quickly and uh, seems like he's just getting bigger, better, faster, and stronger every year. Yeah. And then just uh, the, the trade deadline move to send Vinny Trocek away kind of shook everything up because, you know, he's one guy that was just the beloved in the locker room, uh, a big guy uh, with the fans. Everybody liked him. He'd been here for so long. Um, and and just a, a pretty uh, surprising move to happen that day. Yeah, that's uh, – and that goes throughout. I've seen it throughout uh, the decisions that go in that the fans don't understand all the time. That uh, something that they wanted to move on from. And he was a guy that uh, ever since the ankle injury – to, to be honest, wasn't the same. He, yeah. he didn't, just didn't seem to be the same player. He didn't have that first step and didn't seem to be able to get to pucks and have the skating ability. So I don't know if it was the ankle injury or whatever. Well, he told me but, this season he broke both of his ankles. Okay. Separately. Yeah. Like, that is one, tough. one of them was the one in Ottawa, but then earlier at the beginning of the season, he blocked a shot, I think in Nashville, when he scored the, the shootout winner that night he said he fractured uh, his other ankle and he was out for like two weeks. Yeah. So that's something if you're evaluating is, is he ever going to get back to the, to the level that yeah. he was at before? Those are tough injuries to overcome. And uh, even though he's a guy that uh, was, 
that was one of those guys that pushed hard and has some success. He was really struggling to get back to the level that you saw him at before. And he struggled in Carolina in his brief period that he's been there. He's, uh, it's, it's been a struggle for him. And uh, so that's where the question lays. Is he going to get back? And the Panthers figured they were better off getting a couple other players for him that they felt can contribute. And we'll see what happens. But uh, you can't evaluate trades right away. That trade will be evaluated in the next couple of years and uh, to see how it plays out in the next two years. And uh, the Panthers feel that they've got some options open. And we'll, we'll look back on this, David, I guess, in two years and see – that's uh, that's when you, yeah. that's uh, how you evaluate trades in this league. We'll see, we'll see how it works. I mean, we'll be watching Vinny and uh, and rooting for him. I'm excited to see that series, the, the Rangers Carolina series, is probably the one I'm most excited to see aside from uh, the Panthers Islanders when we get into the playoffs in a few weeks. I think that one should be pretty fun. Yeah, there's uh, there'll be interest. There's going to be the interesting thing when you look at this playoff format is the teams having to choose on goaltenders. Because there's a lot of teams, like you look at the Islanders and uh, the Rangers. The New York Rangers, who do you start in that? You, you can't you even start, flip a coin. You got Georgiev and you got Lundqvist. <laughs> and Shostorkin, who we watched in the KHL. Yes, and he came on board, was was lights out, uh, yeah. dominant. So there's, and you got Pekka Saros in Nashville. I, I think you got to uh, go with Saros there. I think he's the better goalie this year. Rene had a two. really tough year. You got Dubnik, Stalock. You got what about Talbot. Tristan Jerry and Matt Murray. Matt Murray, you, I mean, there are a lot of teams coming out that are going to have to think, who's our goaltender? Even yeah. in Vegas, we've got Robin Leonard. Yeah. I mean, it, it, Carolina? But you play both Carolina. Is it Mrazek? Is it Reimer's got the better numbers? So those will, when you really start the playoffs, that's one thing that's going to be the most interesting thing. The Panthers, Bobrovsky are – that's hopefully that works out, but there are going to be a lot of teams that are going to have a little panic situation as, okay, who's our, who's our guy that we throw into the fire right away. Yeah. All right. The last one I want to go over with you. And again, Billy love doing this man. Freaking love talking hockey with you, brother. Uh, the last one I want to go over is team MVP. Who's the MVP of the Panthers this season. And I, I picked four finalists, but one of them was Dreger. And I just kind of threw him in there. We talked about it before. Cause he was kind of, so important in his small window or small portion of the season. But the main guys, I feel like the three main MVP candidates for this team would be Jonathan Huberto, Mike Hoffman, and Aaron Ekblad. Yeah, three good choices. And uh, Hoffman really stepped up. A lot of goals, a lot of production, skates well. Uh, doesn't get a lot of credit a lot of times uh, for his skating ability. Guy that, uh, that's, that, does it and the production was there and it, it was consistent production but Jonathan Huberto to me is the the MVP and the numbers and when you look at Huberto and you look at his game is what he's came into the league 185 somewhere around there he's up to around 200 pounds he's strong on the puck now and he when you watch and he's got that play where he starts to hang on to the puck and hold on to it he doesn't get pushed off the puck anymore and then he's got the vision to go with it, to find the open man. So when you watch him upstairs from the press box and you see the plays that he makes and the patience that he has with the puck, and all of a sudden he's got the strength on his skates. It's a new dynamic that he, that he has. And uh, he finds that open man and the chemistry and 
he can play. He would be fun to play with because you just got to go to an open area and the puck's going to be on your stick. It's, and he can score. He's got a, he's got an underrated shot. Using watch, yeah. He can shoot the puck good. He can come down. We saw it come down the left wing, wired over the shoulder of a goaltender. So he's got a guy that, uh, that's got an under underrated shot and a guy that, uh, just, numbers passing all year and that's to me is when you look at it do you, can you do it nightly can you do it every single there were very very few dips in uber season yeah or, uh, that's that's it that's the team mvp when you're looking at it and you, so it was there at the start it was there at the middle it was there at the end when the panthers finished he uh, continued to produce and continued to put up the numbers so there is uh that's he's in the mvp conversation and we talked about surprise and everything, but Achari, uh, too, I would throw in there. Is, yeah. Uh, when you talk about most valuable players, the most valuable to your team, uh, Hubro is the most uh, – where, where's, where's this team without Achari? Yeah. Where, well, that's why I was correct yeah. in there, too. I, I thought just as even an unsung season maybe because he didn't get all the accolades. He didn't – you know, Yandel had a few more points than he did. But I just thought Ekblad – took a huge step forward this year, both defensively and offensively. And when he talked about his point total, he barely got any power play time this year. And he still put yeah. up like 41 points. And that's, yes, the, 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 I think it was only five or six power play points on the whole season, which to get all those even strength points and their neckline was matched up against the other team's top players. Yeah, always. I, so he went out there. And uh, when you got that kind of defensive responsibility, it's hard to put up offensive numbers. It's hard, yeah, even strength. Uh, so to do that, uh, that's Aaron Eckblad uh, is the real deal. And first overall pick and a guy that's uh, really exciting to watch. So Living I, up to that hype, eh? I would put him in that conversation. And after watching him, and if he – was a guy that Yandel runs that number one power play, but if something happened to Yandel and he got those power play minutes and you're looking at a 60, 70 point defenseman because, yeah. you know, he's at 40 points. You got another 20 points on the power play. Yeah, for sure. Over long, but that's, that's 60 points. So that's something that might happen in the future, but uh, Aaron Eckblad deserves to be part of that. And I'm very happy to see the progression that he made under Quenville and big minutes. 23, yeah, he led 20, the team in minutes, a twenty, almost yeah. twenty-three minutes a game. He's he logged heavy minutes, so uh, Quenville put a lot of trust in him, and we saw Quenville do it. Uh, Quenville likes to play four lines, but as far as defenseman goes, he likes he pushes a four-man defenseman rotation quite a bit. Yeah, which is it. We saw it with uh, Keith and Seabrook in in chicago and a couple other guys under that but he'll like to play his his top defenseman and yeah he's with sort the, of, i think campbell and jalmerson were the other two that he leaned on pretty heavily in chicago yeah and then so you look at it and uh Eckblad's a guy that quenville developed a lot of trust in and he said if you're 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 this top pick and you're, you're a guy then i'm gonna put you out there and see if you can do it and Eckblad responded with a positive year Billy, I'm not going to keep you anymore, brother. This was awesome. I'm really glad that we were able to, to chat about this and kind of bounce this stuff off of each other. Hopefully, look forward to hearing you on the radio sometime soon. I know we got some hockey games coming up, but, um, but yeah, man, just uh, thank you, and uh, hopefully you have a good rest of your summer, right? Yeah, enjoy, David. It's always uh, – these are 
those are times that we've never been through. So stay safe is the biggest thing to say to everyone is, you know, health. You realize when you go through something like this, just sports aren't, are, are going to be nice to get back, but uh, the importance of, of family and everything, when you get locked down like this, you realize how, how precious life is. <laughs> and yes, uh, so that's, that's, that's the main thing. Life is, is something not to be taken for granted. So just trying and enjoy every day. And when we get back to sports, sports is important. But uh, the main thing, number one thing is just try and take gratitude and enjoy every single day because it's all we got for right now. Couldn't have put it any better myself. What a, what a perfect way to wrap up the podcast. So, so thank you to you, Billy, and, and everybody listening. Thank you so much for tuning in to the latest episode of Chirping the Cats. As always, please let me know on Twitter if you like what you're hearing, at David Dwork. Uh, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. And uh, we'll be back with another episode soon. Thanks so much. And everybody, please stay safe, stay healthy, wear masks, and uh, take care of yourselves.